Hey there, light being. Welcome back to another episode of The Spiritual Gaze. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon. And I'm your other host, Angel. And this is our twice-monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that it all makes sense. Angel. 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 Why are we saying your name over and over again? Because it's such a beautiful word. It is. It's because I felt like I like cracked my voice the first time I said it. Angel. 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 So I was trying to like invoke myself or, in a clearer way. Are you here now? I think so, yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. You seem here. <laughs> I'm here. And now everyone has heard my name 75 times. You seem behind your eyes. I see behind my eyes. Yeah, you're here. I've never heard that before. I mean, have you never been in the presence of somebody who is clearly not behind their eyes? Mm-hmm, I have, yeah. 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 Like most of the time when you're hanging out with my family. <laughs> but not you, Auntie Rob. No, no. You're always behind your eyes. Very true. But occasionally you're not. Me? Usually when we're hanging out with your family. Rude. <laughs> When I was smoking a lot of weed, I wasn't behind my eyes, that's for sure. No, but occasionally I will like look at you and you're just kind of like staring in this like, it's like you're staring into this void. Mm. It's like you've taken an elevator out of your body. Mm. And I'm and just like seeing like eyes. called disassociation. Oh, well that would also be not behind your eyes, correct? correct yeah. <laughs> but we're associating now, we're associating with each other and we're associating with all of you. And we hope you're associating. We hope you're behind your eyes wherever you are. Yeah, but, but you know. Especially if you're behind the wheel. Oh, gosh, yeah. You better be behind your eyes, baby. Yeah, but, you know, the next time you pass a mirror, check yourself and say, do I look like I'm behind those eyes? Behind those hazel eyes? Are you talking about my eyes? No, it's a Kelly Clarkson song. Oh, sorry. I'm unfamiliar. <laughs> Not with Kelly Clarkson, with, with the song. I'm not a monster. I understand. Um, who are you, though? Correct. I am Brandon Alter, a person behind their eyes. I am a non-binary, queer as fuck, spirit healer. I'm a tarot reader. I'm an astrologer. I am a writer and a performer. That's what I am. That's who I am. It's a lengthy amount of descriptors. Yeah, and they all feel fairly inadequate because <laughs> you're so much more than those i mean like how do things. we even label ourselves you know like how do you even begin to communicate who you are you just did yeah i guess who are you i'm angel angel lopez and i'm just here i'm just a a a goo of matter in the f shape of this gorgeous creature. And I have interests and <laughs> skills, <laughs> talents. And I every can. day, a new one takes takes hold Jesus. and controls me. These introductions have really devolved. <laughs> <laughs> We've been doing this a long time. We're spiritual workers. We have a podcast. You know who we are by now. <laughs> and if you're just joining us, then, you know. You've come at a good time. And you're, you might either be like, okay, I'm intrigued, or you're, you've already turned us off. You're here for the transition, <laughs> the evolution. Oh, my God, yeah. 
We're in the evolution space. Correct. Yeah, we are in an evolution space right now. We're evolving. I was about to say evoluting. We're evoluting. Correct. Our monthly offerings. We're not entirely evolving this podcast, I wouldn't say, but... No, because it's working, right? I mean... I wasn't asking you. Oh. Right? <laughs> it's working. If it's not working for you... Fuck off. <laughs> no. <laughs> Jeez. Not how we talk to our listeners. Well, I just mean, if it's not working for you, gently fuck off. <laughs> Look, the reality is, if people are not interested, they're not listening. Correct. And that is what it is. Correct. And I think we have, on some level, given up on like trying to figure out what the like recipe is for like mass success. As a podcast. Yeah, I think you're right. I used to really obsess about it. Oh, you definitely did. Yeah. And now I'm just kind of like, well, the people who need us find us. And the people who don't, don't. And we'll do this until it's no longer necessary. Or tenable. Or fun. Or fun. But for now, we're still finding fun in it. Because it's nice to close your eyes and like picture all of the friends out there listening, the new friends, the friends we haven't met yet, the friends around the world. That's you. (laughs) Yeah. And it is really exciting that like people from countries that we've never been to are listening. Yeah. I want to go to those countries. I do too. I want to go to New Zealand. Me too. I want to go to like... I want to go to Iceland. Iceland. Brazil. South Africa. I want to go. Yeah. Sponsor us. (laughs) (laughs) We need a benefactor. We need a benefactor. We need some like rich, old gay or some rich spiritual lady to just pay for for our lives. (laughs) If that's you, drop us a line. Drop us a line, yeah. Um, and we'll return in spiritual favors. Correct. Spiritual gifts. Yeah. But Blessings. you ain't getting any booty. No. I mean, it depends. Well, if it's first class. <laughs> <laughs> Your Taurus rising is so quick to turn a trick for something luxurious. And? I'm just calling it out. So if you're listening out there and you need me to turn a trick, check out my wish list on... I'm just kidding. Angel played a game with me the other day, which was which of our friends, if they had an OnlyFans, <laughs> would not surprise you? And I'm not going to tell you the answer because... <laughs> so why are you bringing you it up? Know, you wouldn't know it was. Because it's a fun game. I think people should play amongst themselves. People should play it amongst themselves. Yeah. For sure. But we realized that neither of us would actually be that person. No. So do you think any of our friends would respond with, with us? us as their answer if we asked? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I have been posting a lot of like bathing suit photos this summer. You really have. You know, I'm I'm trying to present the illusion of joy. As I don't I even want to see what those DMs are drown doing. Drown in my grief. The DMs are very clean. Oh, good. Yeah. People are respectful. Yeah, people understand. 
I think. <laughs> or they're just like not interested. <laughs> I think it's respect. So we are going to continue our year-long discussion about the houses of astrology. Yes. Um, we I guess we should mention that we took a week off Sorry. from the podcast. Sorry, everybody. Yeah, we just realized a lot of people were taking like vacation time in August and we kind of needed it, I think, to like regenerate and reboost our spiritual gaze. Yeah, and to kind of have some like determine the relationship conversations about the spiritual gaze offerings and we're just going to like tease that we have a whole new thing that we're going to be offering very soon that we were developing together. And so it was time well spent. Yeah, we're very excited about it. Um. And we're actually, I guess, on some level offering a tease with our upcoming Pisces Full Moon workshop that we're doing. Yeah. So the Pisces Full Moon is next Wednesday. August 31st. I think it's the 30th. August 30th. And the <laughs> Pisces Full August Moon. Have 31 days I don't think that. it does. <laughs> does it? Does August have 31 days? It does. Well, there you go. But you are correct. It is August 30th. I had a feeling. So the Pisces full moon, it's a really great full moon because the axis of Pisces and Virgo, they're polar opposite signs. So the sun will be in Virgo and the moon will be in Pisces. They really help us to create containers for our spiritual practice. Pisces is such a dreaming energy. It's an energy that connects us to our soul, but Virgo connects us to our body. It's the routines and the habits. And so this is a really great time to do ceremonial or ritualistic work because what is a ceremony or a ritual but a container for the spiritual? So we're going to be combining two of our favorite practices, breath work and spirit tripping, to help y'all use this lunar energy to deepen wherever you are in your own spiritual practices. Maybe you're at the beginning, maybe you're in deep waters, but we are wanting to evolve what we offer because we're getting a little bored. We, <laughs> we want to go deeper with y'all. So we hope you'll consider joining us uh, next Wednesday. And we understand that some of you may be experiencing virtual burnout when it comes to these types of things. Um, I think on some level we were too. But we also really recognize that we love community and coming together and we couldn't see some of our favorite people if we just switched over to all in-person stuff because we have made such strong connections with people who do not live in the Los Angeles area. Correct. So we're hoping to reinvigorate our virtual community space this way to also make it feel new and fresh and just do it once in the month as opposed to the three times we were doing things. Yeah. Um, but I think also um, we have a really strong goal to create a in real life uh, Southern California, Los Angeles offering as well that we're just trying to, I think, call in the correct space and what it is. But anyhow. So, yeah, very excited for it. 
And these are the sorts of things that everyone should kind of be considering during a double retrograde, which is what we're living in, Mercury retrograde, Venus retrograde. Like what sort of plot twists, what sort of pivots are ready for you in your life? So if you want all the information on that, just go to thespiritualgaze.com. And the best thing to do is when you land on that page, just scroll all the way to the bottom of that main page. And there's a little button there you can click, right? It's a button yeah. Yeah, to and you click can and sign, sign up, up for, for the newsletter. our newsletter. Yeah. And uh, that goes out uh, twice a month. And you always get sign up information there. It's also like the first place you're going to find out about like what's actually going on with the spiritual gaze. And you don't have to worry about fake spiritual gaze sending you a newsletter because y'all those damn Instagram scammers, they're relentless. They're still out there. So while we're still on Instagram, making our, making our videos, making our meme dumps, yeah, uh, you got to be careful. Yeah. So please, if you see anyone reach out to you with a spiritual gaze type moniker. It's probably not us. The only reason... It's definitely not us. Yeah. The only reason we would reach out to you is to just be like, we love this to like something you've posted probably. But we're not going to be like, you seem sad. Let's give you a reading. Your ancestors told me that you need healing. Yeah. No, our ancestors are not just reaching out willy-nilly about you. Our ancestors don't care about you. They're um, busy worrying about us. <laughs> well, unless you're an, unless you have requested our assistance in getting information from your ancestors, then yes, in a reading. I mean, that's not that's not how it works for me. Well, that's how it works for me. Really, your ancestors give you information about the person you're reading. No, but other people's ancestors do. Oh, correct. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, isn't that a big part of your work? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, my ancestors are not giving me information about other people. No, my ancestors are just like helping me do what I do. Yes. But sometimes your ancestors might communicate with me because they're like, well, you're listening. And this person who I love so much in my bloodline is not. Yeah. Well, and they've asked for our assistance and we've created the space to allow that kind of communication to come through. But regardless, I ain't never going to DM you and tell you that your ancestors are hounding me for you to have a reading. No, we're just going to DM you and be like, where'd you get that top? It's so cute. I know. Or also, we love your artwork. Yeah, That's it. Yeah. Also, like anybody who's like hearing messages from your ancestors without your permission is probably a sorcerer. Yeah. Like the only time I'm going to hear information from your ancestors is when we have already agreed to work together. I already have permission to like engage with you in a spiritual way. Otherwise, yeah, I wouldn't trust it. Yeah. So, also, which is not to say like, which is not to say that like everybody who delivers you like an unsolicited message is a sorcerer because some people just like don't know how to like work with their gifts. You know, they like yeah. are just you know Grand Central Station for the spirit world and they're receiving messages twenty four seven. Like I even remember hearing an interview with Teresa Caputo, you know, the Long Island medium. And she was talking about how like when she was like first coming into her gift, she'd like be in the grocery store and she'd just be like receiving messages for people. And she's not a sorcerer though we know of, but you know, it's not how we operate. Yeah. I heard a story from my sister last night. Right. Yeah. She was at an Atlanta Braves game and a vendor there who they had become friendly with the last time they were there saw her and was like, I have a message for you. And it was incredibly apropos and specific to something going on. It was wild. I mean, that's a great scene in something. 
a vendor at a baseball game. Yes, the psychic vendor <laughs> at the baseball game. Honestly, it's stories like that that almost make me want to go to a baseball game. Um, yeah, but I think you'd want to go see this guy in Atlanta because yeah. I don't know if every vendor is tapped in like that. I just want to go to a Dodgers game and just like spend the whole time just like going around like trying to find a psychic vendor. Um, yeah, I guess that's probably what I would be doing at a baseball game because I'm not really a baseball fan. No, my father used to have season tickets to the San Diego Chargers and he would take me and my brother and my mom sometimes when she could be forced to go. And I would literally bring a book because I was so bored watching the sports that like mm-hmm. I needed something else to do. And and it was not like frowned upon per se, but like my dad was was not thrilled that I was just like sitting there reading a book. Yeah, I'm sure. He's like <laughs> trying to bond with you over something that he loves and you're like, I don't care. I uh, know, I really didn't care. I tried to care. I didn't care. Yeah, I just couldn't get into the game. I liked football games though because I know the game and I enjoy it. Yeah, no. That's the Chargers. The Chargers are a football team. I found it excruciatingly boring. Right. Yeah. Well. I always found other reasons to entertain myself at sports sports events. Just like looking at the butts? Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's why we like baseball, because they wear those tight pants and they usually have good butts. Yeah, I think that's why all of those straight men watch baseball, is to admire the butts. Oh, that We're... tracks. <laughs> it's socially acceptable homoeroticism. Yeah, so if you're a lady out there and your man watches a lot of baseball. He's into butts. He's into butt stuff. <laughs> this is the type of information we're offering here at the Spiritual Gaze. We're just your spiritual gay best friend. Should we check in? Oh, right. Do you all, yeah, do you all want to hear about our emotional lives? Now? Oh, I think like most people tune out after the check-in is over. Right. That's like, true. Well, we know some of our friends do. Yeah. And that's fine because we appreciate you just being here and caring about us. Yeah. Like you, Auntie Rob. Yeah. I'm just going to keep shouting out my Auntie Rob throughout <laughs> this episode. Because we love her. We do. Um. Well, tell your Auntie Rob what's going on with you. Okay. Well, Auntie Rob, it was great to see you at the baby shower. <laughs> We were just down in San Diego last weekend because my brother is having a baby in like less than a month. She might be a Virgo. She might be a Libra. We don't know yet. We're going to be happy with either. We pulled a lot of various charts, though, to we help did. give sense of what would happen if. We did indeed. Uh, it's unbelievable to me that my brother is going to have a daughter and it's going to be like 15 months after my mom died. Like it's crazy to me how close they both almost were to like inhabiting the earth plane at the same time. Yeah. And that they're not going to be is just like, it's hard for me to like fully comprehend because I know that my mom being a grandma would have made her so happy. Mm -hmm. And it's just so hard like to not visualize her just like holding this little baby and just would have been amazing. But the baby shower was really beautiful and a little bittersweet, of course, because my mom wasn't there, but her presence was felt and her friends, like some of her closest friends through this baby shower for my brother and Kelsey, his fiance. 
And it was just very, very sweet. And it was like an evolution of the family. And so I've just been thinking a lot about that. I've been thinking a lot about community, like my personal community. This month for me in my year ahead tarot spread is the Ten of Cups reversed. So the Ten of Cups is about your community and it's about feeling fulfilled with your community. So as you can imagine, when it's upside down, there's some sort of evolution in the community. There might be a feeling of like isolation within the community or dissatisfaction. I've been noticing for myself that I've been getting very frustrated with a lot of my friendships. And there's an expression, if everywhere you go, there's a problem, you're the problem. And so after many weeks, potentially months of just like bitching about all my friends, I kind of had a snap out of it bitch moment where I realized like, oh, Brandon, like you're the issue here. And I think part of the issue is that I'm still in like really heavy grief around Noche. Like I'm still crying many times a week about it. And some of you might understand this and some of you might not, but like Noche wasn't just like a dog. Like Noche was my best friend. Like Noche was like a third limb for me. And I'm still dealing with the fact that he's not here. And I have some like deep anger around it and pain. And so I think I'm kind of like lashing out in certain ways and I'm like very easily aggravated. And I'm just like expecting people to, I don't know, just like treat me with a deeper understanding of like what it is I'm going through. when even I don't entirely understand what I'm going through. So if I've been a bitch, I'm sorry. I'm doing my best. I'm trying to show up for myself in ways that are like really healthy. Um, after, you know, like almost a year and a half of just kind of like reaching for like the easiest, quickest fix but really it isn't like even like a fix it's like a it's like a dissociation interestingly enough talking about like not being behind your eyes it's like being in my body there's so much pain and I can't do it all the time like I can only like drop in for a little bit and then I have to like airlift out and so I've like just created a lot of habits that I'm not proud of to like airlift me out like my phone usage is so much more than like it has ever been in my entire life I used to have like not even like good discipline around my phone. I just like wasn't that interested. And now all of a sudden I'm just like in my stupid phone all the time because I just like don't want to be present for how sad I am, how hurt I am, how like isolated and aimless I am. And there is like a loneliness, like grief is isolating. And even though Angel and I are sharing certain griefs, we're still alone in them. Like, not even with each other, because the way in which we process it is totally different. So, I am appreciating the moments when I can make connection. And, yeah, that was pretty That was pretty vulnerable, right? That was a pretty good dump. It was beautiful, honey. Well, thanks. I know it must be exhausting. Always rooting for the antihero? Yeah. Stop Taylor Swifting me. <laughs> We just recently watched The Bear. I know we're like a little late to the party. Amazing, by the way. If you haven't watched The Bear, 
I'm sure everyone listening to this has already watched The Bear. Have you all heard about this new show, The Bear? The Bear. It's amazing. But there's that cute moment when Richie's talking to his daughter and he's like, and I just want you to know, like, I do still love Taylor Swift. I just needed a little break, you know? Yeah. And I turned to Angel and I was like, that's where I've been, honey. I also do still love Taylor Swift, but I've just needed a little break. Well, your break was happening when I needed you most. Well, I'm sorry. I couldn't time it. I know. Couldn't time it for you. And now we missed the greatest concert tour in the history of the world. I know. According to Time Magazine this morning. I just saw that headline. (laughs) Time Magazine has, has called the Eras Tour the greatest concert tour in the history of the world. <laughs> I mean, I don't... I'm not, That's wild. I'm not trying to blow up your spot, but Angel is literally spiraling out of control about not being able to see the Taylor Swift Not concert. anymore. I've calmed down. I have found some peace, some zen. Some acceptance. Some acceptance. And I might just have to travel across the world. Still spiraling. Can still happen. Well, if we can find a benefactor, maybe they can pay for you to go see Taylor Swift <laughs> halfway around the world. <laughs> Toronto's not that far. Um, but seriously, though, I think that was like um, a really just like beautiful, vulnerable space you just created. Well, thanks, honey. And I, will... I think it's like hard to admit to some of the like like challenging uh you know, spaces that you find yourself in. It's not always easy to admit to those things. Well, I have to say this double retrograde is so interesting because Venus has been moving backwards and I was thinking about things in one way and then Mercury started moving backwards and I started to see all of the things I was thinking in the opposite way. Like this whole Venus retrograde have been like, I need like new friends or like, I need to like figure out how to get like my friends to like stop annoying me so much. And then as soon as Mercury went retrograde, I was like, oh shit, Brand, like it it's all about you. Like you are the one that's creating all this shit and you have to stop it. And now we set it. And now we set it. So maybe that's gonna be happening for you too in your life where you realize that like I don't know, the thing that you thought was the issue or the thing that you thought was the solution, it's actually the opposite. Yeah. That's the gift of a Virgo season. Is it? It can be. Is it? All right. Check in. Well, check that's in, all the time we have for. What do I have to say? You're a hot mess too. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you for that. Um, thank you for that observation. You're broken, but it's beautiful. <laughs> See, that's Kelly Clarkson. I know Kelly Clarkson. You do. You know the song from the animated film. Um, what animated film is that from? It's from like... Trolls? No, it wasn't Trolls. Zootopia? Like, no, they're like other little toy creatures. They're not the Oogaboos, but like something <gasps> along those lines. Okay, the Oogaboos are not a creature. <laughs> they are literally the character that Cher played where she was a galactic superstar called Oogaboo. Exactly. Singular. Yeah, no different. Ugly Dolls. Oh, okay. It was from the Ugly Dolls movie. Are they like Cabbage Patch Kids for the new generation? No, but I missed the Ugly Dolls movie. Was there ever a Cabbage Patch Kids movie? I'm sure there was. Do you think we'll get some 
big rebranded Cabbage Patch Kids? Do you think the Cabbage Patch Kids and Barbie will like meet in the next Barbie movie? No. That would be funny. I don't think so. Did you have a Cabbage Patch Kid or was that absolutely already not. done before you were born? Definitely no. Yeah. It was very 80s centric. Well, I was born in the 80s. Yeah, but you were like a kid with like things you wanted in the 90s. Yeah, that's true. I was a kid who wanted things in the 80s. Yeah. But I actually brought up the bear in my therapy session the other day. Oh my God, me too. Did you really? Yes. <laughs> had your therapist watched it? Uh, he had watched a couple of episodes and then was like, I don't know why I didn't finish because me and my partner really liked it. This is also why I like my therapist because like sometimes he almost overshares, but like I'm into it. Mm-hmm. Um, But yeah, he was like, I got to get, I got to keep watching it because I was referencing I was referencing that one episode where Richie goes to the like Michelin star restaurant that Olivia Coleman is yeah. running. Um, yeah, I brought it up. Uh, my therapist had watched it and we were both, she was just like, so good. I was like, I know so good. Um, but uh, I was basically uh, thinking on the moment when there was like a conversation about like, what it means to be a leader and how you have to like really choose to be a leader. And it's like, so do you want to like be the guy? Cause if you want to be that guy, you got to be that guy. <laughs> Essentially like what was being said. And something I've just been thinking about because there is a lot of like, there's been a lot of, pause energy around my creative work and my creative space and I think in thinking on it recognizing that some of that was driven by this desire to like not want to have to like put out a lot of leadership energy and needing to like sit in the driver's seat like I had been like in the driver's seat for so long that I just kind of like needed to like pull the car over and get out and it really like made me like wonder that like okay well do I want to be that guy like what do I really care about enough to like invoke my leadership energy again um because I have been a leader, can be a leader. I'm an Aries. Um, and I know that I have been a good leader at times. Uh, I have to just really be impassioned by the goal. And I think I feel tapped in again to at least one of my creative projects. Like I, you know, my therapist was like, all right, so is there anything in your life that makes you want to be that guy? And I was like, yeah, there is like this one, my one TV project. I was like, I, I want to lead that. I want to have that experience. And I know I can. And I just had to kind of like recognize that like, I haven't had even that thought around it in quite some time. So it was nice. It kind of felt like this like little seed that I like pulled from the sky of thought bubbles and like 
put into the soil. And I was like, okay, we can start there. We can work with that. Um, cause I've also just been thinking a lot too lately. Um, I was writing our Virgo season horoscopes, uh, that I actually write for the saged app. So if you're on saged or if you came to us through saged, shout out, holla. But you know where else they are? Well, they then, uh, turn up in our newsletter. Heyo, sign up for the newsletter. Exactly. So you can get them. But the, you know, the first place they drop is on saged. Correct. Um, and in writing those, you know, I was really thinking about this Virgo season and that we were being ushered in, uh, through a Mercury retrograde portal. And that just really got me thinking about the stories we tell ourselves and our mentalities and how convincing we can be when it comes to the truths we build our lives upon. And that we're so convincing that we can... We are so convincing that we can take a fear-based mentality or a limiting belief mentality and make it so comfortable that we find like a positive spin on it. You know, like I am going to work very hard to like make this dream come true and like I'm going to shut everything else out because like that's the only way to succeed and it's so important to me and it's important that I make this dream a reality and meanwhile you're like shitting on all of your relationships and you're just like well that's just what has to happen and I'll be able to have a relationship once I've like manifested this dream when in reality like that's just like a fear-based mentality around ideology. being hurt. Yeah, around being hurt. So, you know, but but that can be seen as like a positive thing, right? Like, wow, that person's so ambitious and they are going to get their dream. They're so driven. They're, <laughs> they're so driven. Um, so it just got me thinking about like, where have I maybe like created some like stories, mentalities for myself that are really based out of pains and insecurities from the past and making it a goal to really see those, really analyze them, um, and try to like release myself of them when they show up. We had this big storm here recently. Um, it was supposed to be like a hurricane. You may have heard of it. Hurricane Hillary. Thankfully, it broke up before it got to LA. It was really just like a sort of a long, long rainstorm. Um, but at times it was stressful and uh, because we had some rain barrel issues, we had to like go deal with it. And I started to like get into like panic attack mode at one point. And I was able to like recognize for myself like, oh, this is what's happening right now. And I was able to just like in the moment communicate like I'm feeling really scared and nervous and sad and I just need to stand here and take some deep breaths so that I can move through this. And I just like gave that to myself. And then I was like, okay, now I just need to sit down for a moment. And I was able to like not 
just fully subscribe to the panic and the mania and the what do I, you know, what is the unhealthy thing that I need to do right now for myself to like try and numb it. Instead, I was like, let me be in the storm, but recognize that it is a storm. And in three minutes, the heavy rain will pass and I will be able to like breathe again. Metaphorically. Metaphorically. Yeah. Because that rain didn't pass three minutes. <laughs> no. Um, but for me, even that, that was like a good acknowledgement for myself after the fact of like, oh, okay, there are ways to like move through things and recognize a mentality as it's coming up and be like, you are no longer welcome here. So that I think is like a message for all of us as we move into this Virgo season. I love that. Yeah. As we move into this like Mercury retrograde Virgo season with Venus still retrograde a little while longer, like really paying attention to like who visits you in your head and remembering that you have the power to disinvite them to the party of your mind. Yeah. You are no longer welcome here. You are no longer welcome here. Get out. Uh, all right. That was a lot of talking. Yeah. Do we even want to do a cosmic update or should we just move <laughs> into the deep dive? I feel like we kind of did. Yeah. I think I, let's just head into the deep dive. If you want a really, really, really great cosmic update, you're not going to get it here. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we're, yeah, we're realizing that we've been talking just about ourselves for a really long time and we want to get to the deep dive. So the cosmic update that we were going to do was basically about the Venus retrograde and the Mercury retrograde. And I feel like we've been weaving it in through everything we've been talking about. And if you really want to know more about that, obviously, like we, we're talking about it on our damn Instagram videos. We'll be talking about <laughs> it at the full moon ceremony next yeah. Wednesday. Yeah. Join us for the full moon ceremony. So plot twist. No segment. Get no. ready for this episode's Deep, Deep Dive. So, what do you want to know about the ninth house? Everything. The truth of it. Of course you do, because it's the ninth house. And I want to travel far and wide until I understand everything about it. And then I want to publish a book about it. And then I want to teach about it. Well, you're first going to need to get your master's in it so that people will recognize that you are a full expert when they purchase your book. Mm. And then buy a ticket to your speaking tour. Yeah, totally. And then maybe like steal my information and then I have to like take them to court and legislate against them because they have taken my intellectual property and then maybe I will get really philosophical about like is there such thing as intellectual property and maybe I'll just like drop the whole thing or you'll craft a religion around it yeah totally where you will then have followers from far and wide who will want to come and worship yeah with you worship at the altar of the religion that i've created at the altar of altar hey alternism hey welcome to the altar of altar and at this altar of altar this religion that i've created will also like teach all sorts of like esoteric and like occult practices like astrology and tarot and magic yeah 
And if you are now wondering, what the fuck are these two gays talking about? We were just giving you all of the themes of the ninth house. Hey. But I bet you knew that already. Oh, but, but then also the reason why it's the altar of altar, not the altar of angel of altar Lopez is because you will have moved on to your second husband at that point, which is actually also ruled by the ninth house. The ninth house is your second marriage. <laughs> your second marriage. That is unbelievable and hilarious. <laughs> and I had no idea. Well, that's fair because you wouldn't be complicit in me starting a cult. No, I would be testifying against you in that law in that law, in that court case. Oh, cool. <laughs> Because you would have plagiarized all of my teachings to create your teachings. Should have had you sign an NDA when we were in the eighth house. Well, you didn't, bish. Coulda, woulda, shoulda. <laughs> all right. So as you've probably gleaned, the ninth house is the house of foreigners, travel, philosophy, religion, publishing, legal issues. It is a house that expands our minds and takes us out into the world in a broad way. Like the eighth house, it's really about like depth. And the ninth house is about breadth. We spread our wings and we explore. Yeah. So it is associated with higher education and, you know, establishments, you know, large schools, universities. Um, and then also, yeah, deeply connected to religion. Uh, some actually have called it the house of spirituality. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's the, you know, like the, it's really to me the house of like organized spirituality. Yeah. I would say it's like the house of belief and meaning. Yeah. And belief and meaning that are organized and that are sometimes like universally agreed upon. We can think about the houses in terms of the pairs. So like the third house and the ninth house, they are opposing each other. And if you remember, the third house is like your own mental capacity. It's how you communicate. It's like little short trips. It's the place where the moon is in her joy. And the ninth house is where the sun is in their joy. So it's like taking everything from the third house and kind of like adding some lighter fluid to it. So it's not like little trips. You're not like running errands like you were in the third house. You're going on like voyages, quests and adventures yeah you're pray loving it's not just like what you think about yourself like you like in the third house it's what you think about everything it's about philosophy it's about what are we doing here and in the same way that uh you know like the fourth house is like your home and your family and then the third house kind of falls away from the fourth house because like you leave your house to like go run errands or things the 10th house which we'll talk about in the next installment which is like your career the ninth house moves away from that. It's not necessarily what you're doing for a living. It's how you're exploring beyond that. And so the ninth house can also include like your deep interests or sometimes even like your passions, the things that like you're really motivated to pursue that have nothing to do with like how you're going to be known, how you're going to make money or even how you identify. Right. But it can be associated with what you will be doing in the 10th house too at times. And the ninth house is then like that schooling that education that you need to go through um, in order to really be at the level that yeah. you want to be at in the 10th house. For sure. I think it just depends on like, are there planetary relationships between your ninth house and your 10th house? Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I think the idea around like thoughts, beliefs, yeah, beliefs, philosophy, I think that is like really the basis 
for that ninth house. Because even if you think about it, it's like you have to have like a really strong belief system and understanding of what it is you believe in and what your philosophy is on something in order to then create the mission statement for whatever it is that 10th house purpose wants to be yeah you know like on some level it you could even think of it as like the vision right it's like where the vision is born so to speak yeah which is why i think you like see with companies them like you know, a company always kind of starts with like, started with a vision or like, here's our corporate philosophy, you know, like, what do we believe? Like, cause it is really like grounded in those things. Totally. It's actually really interesting to think about. And again, y'all like, you know, we are not like corporate people. I have never worked a corporate job in my life and I never will. I have. But like, yeah, what are the like two big buzzwords for corporations? It's like the vision and the culture. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's really interesting because the culture is actually like the 11th house and the vision is the ninth house. And then the 10th house is like the actual business that's sandwiched in between these two things. Right. But I do think there is a cultural element to the ninth house as well. That's like part of the travel. Right. It's like you go around the world and you immerse yourself in other cultures. And that's how you get an understanding of what is your philosophy? What is it that you believe? What is the makeup of you? But I think, yeah, corporate culture is very much like communal. Yeah. But I do think, yeah, they're like the more traditional understanding of culture is like very immersed and steeped in the ninth house. And that is essentially how you, yeah, figure out who you are. Yeah. We've been talking about the planetary joys, haven't we? As we've moved through this, have we been talking about like what planet is most at home in each house? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe not. I feel like we did. So not every house has a planet in its joy, but like we talked about the moon in the third, I feel like. Yeah, do it now. And Venus in the fifth. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the sun is is most at home. It rejoices in the ninth house. Hallelujah. And traditionally, this was called the house of God in the same way that the third house is called the house of the goddess. And if you think about what the sun does, is it like it shines light, it pours forth. And so the ninth house wants to illuminate things. And if you think about the sun as like the central organizing principle for our solar system. I always do. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Then you would realize that the ninth house is also how we organize ourselves in terms of our beliefs and what has meaning in our philosophy so that our life orbits around that. And that's why the sun's most at home there. Hmm. So do you have anything in the ninth house? I do. What do you have there? I have Uranus. Oh. Yeah. So how does that define your relationship with the ninth house? Well, you know, Uranus likes to stir shit up. Definitely a bit of a rebel, an independent thinker. So my approach to religion and philosophy is definitely unique. I definitely am always trying to usurp authority. I don't like things like put upon me, even when I find myself in those situations. Like I went to an Episcopalian school for like three years, my eighth, ninth and 10th grade year. I was in an Episcopalian school as like the only or one of like very few Jewish people. And we would have to go to like, I don't know, it wasn't like mass. It was like Eucharist or I don't even remember what it was called. Chapel. They had to go to chapel like once a week and everybody would like stand up to like go and like get the communion and I or like stand up for like certain prayers or whatever. And I would just like sit in the in the pew you know 
it's like very Uranus in the in the ninth. Yeah. Um, but also like my beliefs are very Uranian. You know, like you've heard me on this podcast talk about all sorts of crazy out there shit, right? Like all sorts. I was an alien in a past life, or like the soul can live multiple lives at the same time. I mean, like you know, my beliefs are very Uranian. And if we think about Uranus as the contemporary ruler of Aquarius, then you really get a view into why I have the worldview that I do. Yeah. But I also find that because Uranus is connected to freedom as well, that I feel my most free when I'm engaging with ninth house pursuits. So when I'm learning, when I'm traveling, these are things that help me to feel free. Like there's nothing like a pilgrimage or a quest to help me feel like I'm connecting to my most liberated self. Like I'm doing this three-year training program with the Foundation for Shamanic Studies where we meet twice a year for three years for a week-long period. And it's like a, I don't know, like eight-hour drive from where I live. And every time when I get in the car to like drive, I'm like, I'm in the ninth house because I'm like taking a a long trip. It's not a foreign trip because I'm still in the same state, but it's a long trip. It's certainly not a third house trip. And I feel just like so free. I'm like, okay, here I am. Like I'm, I'm chasing something. And that's my, that's my Uranus in the ninth. Mm. Do you have anything in the ninth? I don't actually have anything in the ninth. Mm. So I don't have like a really strong relationship with it. What rules the ninth for you? Um, I believe it is Capricorn. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So, so I've had Pluto transiting my ninth house for the last like, Fourteen years or something. Yeah, because she's just about to leave. Well, you have Saturn and Leo, right? Mm-hmm. So that's who rules your ninth house. Yep. So how does your Saturn and Leo flavor your ninth house? Well, I think it's always made me a pretty creative philosopher mm-hmm. and learner. I imagine. Yeah, though I yeah, well, definitely a creative learner. I wouldn't say I was like a strong student. Well, that's Saturn. Yeah, I learn through more creative ways. Mm -hmm. And I guess on some level, like there is like a level of, or there is like a sense of optimism, like joy, like that Leo buoyancy. Yeah. Like around ninth house philosophies for me. Yeah, totally. Like it's always like a joyful pursuit. It's not like I'm like getting deep and mired and like, the darkness of Nietzsche, you know, like I can like study things and be like, hmm, that's interesting. We're all connected. Next. Yeah. Well, this is a really good example because your Saturn in Leo rules both your ninth house and your 10th house because it's Capricorn and Aquarius. So there's a connection, right? Mm -hmm. So your Saturn in Leo, that buoyancy, but also sometimes that like challenge to like shine that, Leo light maybe wasn't just like in educational settings where maybe you were like challenged, but also like in corporate settings. Right. Because your Saturn and Leo was also happening in your 10th house as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it makes sense then that I went to like creative performing arts schools. I studied, I you know majored in theater, like all of that Leo came out and then that all has helped feed what is then like my 10th house work or some of it yeah totally so going back to this idea of vision because i think that's a really great word for the ninth house 
if you can visualize for yourself where we are in the chart, right? Like we are now above the horizon. We went we we went below, right? Like houses one through six, we went below the horizon. And now starting with the seventh house, we're rising up in the eighth house. And then the ninth house, it's taking us towards the highest point in the chart. And by the time we exit the ninth house, we are at the zenith. We are at that midheaven. So you are up pretty high. And so I think that when you're up pretty high, you can look down and you can see things like the way you would in an airplane. And all of a sudden you realize the way that like land is organized. There's a perspective that's available to you in the ninth house that helps you to do what I said before, which is like organize yourself appropriately or according to the things that actually matter for you. Mm -hmm. So I think that's also part of like where the vision comes in is that you are now further away from like all of those personal houses and you are connecting to the world in a larger and a greater and a wider way. And that brings in perspective and new ideas that helps you look at yourself more differently and also the world. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that then like the idea of wisdom lives in the ninth house? Cause I'm just thinking like that third house has all like questions, answers. It's like very like, it's almost like beginning stages, right? Yeah. Would you like look at the ninth house then as like a house of wisdom? It's a really good question because I often think of the third house as a question house and the ninth house as the answer house. So in some ways, yes, I do think the ninth house is where we would go for like a traditional understanding of wisdom. But currently... I'm playing around with this idea that questions are actually more wise than answers. Like answers tend to shut things down, whereas questions open things up. And just being able to answer a question doesn't necessarily mean that you've absorbed the information. Like that's where I think the expression, those who can't teach comes from, right? Yeah. Like you can know all the things but that doesn't necessarily make you a master at them. No, no, completely. So maybe we have to create the differentiation between knowledge and wisdom, right? Yeah. And I would say like the ninth house is definitely the storehouse of knowledge. Yeah. I think wisdom can be found in a lot of different places in the chart. But I think curiosity is both a third house and a ninth house word. Because if you're not authentically curious, you're not going to authentically seek. And I also think seek or seekers or seeking is a very ninth house uh, quality. Yeah. And, and seeking isn't something you do idly. It isn't something you do casually. Like if you are seeking something, you are deeply committed to that adventure. So I also think there's like a level of commitment in the ninth house that's required, whereas the third house isn't as committed. Right. But it does feel like the ninth house, like the third house, is like an intellectual space. Oh, very much so. Yeah. And it's Would an intellectual out in the world, whereas the third house is maybe like just an intellectual unto yourself in your own home. Right. In your own head. Yeah. But I think it's that intellectual part that's always bumped up against me when it's referenced as like a house of spirituality because I don't think spirituality is an intellectual process. Yeah, I think that's very astute. 
but if we refer to the history of astrology, the occult, and esotericism, for a very long time, spirituality was very much connected with knowledge and learning the secrets of the universe, thinking about all of these traditions, right? Like Kabbalah, like Hermeticism, you know? Yeah, but it was also, I think, connected a lot to like religions more so, which is why I think like the Ninth House governs religion because when you come, when you boil it down, like religion is like more intellectual at times. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Even though religion isn't that intellectual because when you really like break it down, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like it doesn't really, doesn't really hold up. Right, but there's a lot of like rules to follow. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, there's all the doctrines. Totally. Whereas I don't think there are any rules or doctrines in actual spirituality. Yeah, maybe. Maybe not. Um, at least in my experience, in my ninth house experience. Mm. But yeah, I've always like found that curious. But I also just think that like back in the day, <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of years ago, when modern, what is kind of now contemporary astrology was like being even more formulated, like spirituality as we know it now, it was not discussed or in practice really. Spirituality was more tied in with religion then oh 100 yeah like you had to identify as some of some sort of religion yeah whereas i think now like in a more modern perspective like spirituality really lives in that 12th house but religion and philosophy is kind of the beginnings of what you will actually experience and exist in in the 12th house well i think it is the things that can be talked about like there's so much in spirituality that can't be articulated, that can only be experienced, that goes beyond the rational mind, that goes beyond the ego. And that's very much what happens in the 12th house. But in the 9th house, it's everything that relates to religion and spirituality that we can actually like put in a book or like give a lecture on, which is why astrology is actually, you know, connected traditionally to the 9th house because it's an organized system of understanding the cosmos. Mm -hmm. How you practice astrology might you know be influenced by other places right and you know like there were a lot of ancient astrologers they didn't all agree so just because you know a fair amount of them agreed that astrology is in the ninth house doesn't really mean that you couldn't find it somewhere else mm -hmm. but it makes sense you know like astrology is in the ninth house i would put tarot in the ninth house i would put kabbalah in the ninth house and i would put like creation myths in the ninth house yeah i would put like that's religion. But even like Orpheus and Eurydice or like all, all the great myths and legends, I think they go in the ninth house because they give us an understanding of how the world might be shaped. Right. Whereas the Big Bang is 12th house. You mean just like when it happened? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. But I think science also falls into the ninth house too because science is a form of, of religion or philosophy. Mm-hmm. You know? So you say. Oh, that I know. So you say. That I know. So you say. That I know. That feels very third house and ninth house. Oh my God, it totally does. <laughs> the third house, so, so you, you say. say. Ninth house, that, that I, I know. know. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, we're fools. So should we take uh, some things through the ninth house? I mean, why not? We got nothing better to do. <laughs> so shall we take a planetary tour? Through the ninth house? Should we quest our way through the ninth house? Shall we vision quest? 
should we educate ourselves? Should we legislate ourselves? Do you believe in life after love? In the ninth house? In the ninth house. I do. So if one has the sun in the ninth house. Right. So your sun is in the house of its joy. And this is a placement for a person that really is soulfully connected to these themes of the ninth house, travel and learning. You might be a teacher. You might be a lifelong student. You might find yourself connected to like religion or philosophy in ways that your identity is connected to because the sun is in some ways like our identity as it's shining out into the world. And so people might think like, oh, that's somebody that possesses a lot of knowledge. That's somebody that possesses an ability to ponder things deeply. Yeah, just a lifelong philosopher, you know, always approaching life with, you know, a quest for understanding. Or a travel blogger. Or a travel blogger. A lawyer, obviously, I think you said. Yeah, yeah a publisher, a scientist. Mm-hmm. A chemist. Yeah. I mean, if you have son in Scorpio in the ninth house, maybe a cult leader. Oh, yeah. But, you know, the sun is the energy that we feel most comfortable in. So if your son is in the ninth house, you do feel comfortable in a seeking mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or an education mode. Yeah. Some form of that. You are hungry for knowledge. Yep. And what sort of knowledge is going to be determined by the sign and maybe other planets or things of that nature in the house. Right. Whereas if you have the moon in the ninth house, it's not necessarily going to define your identity per se, but there is like a an emotional love for learning, for traveling, you know? Like you might have a really, really specific hobby, you know, <laughs> that like that is just like your favorite space to be in. You yeah. Know? You might like love to learn a language. You know, you're one of those people who has like four different Duolingos going at once, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, the moon is one of the ways in which we take care of our own deeper needs. And so it also might bring you a lot of comfort just to like have facts about certain things. Like you're one of those people that just like, I just like really need to know, you know? Yeah. And once you know, you feel better. You feel more secure. Yeah. Need to always be like either booking a vacation or researching a vacation you will someday take. Totally. You like have like a like a notes thing on your phone of yeah. like restaurants to eat at in Vietnam. Totally. <laughs> and I think this is a good place to say that like, you know, because some people might be like, well, I don't really like to travel. And I think the reason why like travel and learning are in the same house is because learning is a form of travel, right? Like it, you're not traveling physically, but you're traveling mentally. So you know, they are interchangeable in terms of this house placement, but you might find that one is more specific. You're like, I don't really like to learn, but I do like to travel. You're like, I don't really like to travel, but you know what? I do like to learn. Mm-hmm. Mercury in the ninth house. I mean, this is literally like just someone who's like deeply immersed in the questions, right? Like you're in that space. Um, you may be a philosophical writer. You know, you may be someone who is very much in like, a teaching mode, you know, because you're having to communicate about what it is you've learned, experience, your knowledge. Yeah. And I also think that if we talk about like the ninth house is a house of belief, 
than people with Mercury in the ninth house like beliefs that they can easily articulate. You know, like mm-hmm. there's something concretized about the way you approach religion or philosophy or things of that nature. Whereas like the moon people are going to be like a little bit more emotionally compelled. Right. Big reader. Yeah, totally. Mercury in the ninth. And a big talker. Yeah, especially if you get them going on like certain subjects. Yeah. Might be a good liar. Oh. Depending on the sign. Uh, Venus in the ninth house. Well, you might fall in love with a foreigner. For sure. You fall in love with a foreign place that you must just go. Totally. But you also might be interested in like philosophy of aesthetics, you know, like the things you're interested in have a more like Venusian bent to them. Mm. Feels like a collector. Oh, that could be interesting. Like someone whose home is like, just a visual display of all the places they've been. Somebody who has like the emotional support pile of books that they've never read. (laughs) Right. Like I used to have on the bedside. Exactly. Yeah. There's like something about uh, the beauty and the like material nature of knowledge and less about like the actual information itself. Right. Um. And then probably someone who has like friends of all different backgrounds, you know, like your friend group isn't probably just like a carbon copy of the same type of person. No, very international. Yeah. You're just very interested in like different backgrounds, different cultures, like really wanting to like connect with people through like their own experiences as opposed to like, oh, we relate to each other. Yeah. That's why we're friends. But also I think there's something about like beautiful things theories and philosophies and ideas that's like very like oh that's a beautiful story like that's a beautiful idea like even if that isn't anywhere near to being true i'm very glamored and seduced by that idea yeah 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 uh mars in the ninth is a just a traveler for sure you know someone who really likes to see the world is motivated by being amongst other cultures. You yeah. Know? It's like learning by experience. Totally. Like I have to take the class. Yeah. Well, and I think there's also something like quite practical about Mars in the ninth, which is like Mars is how we get shit done. And so the things that you're like learning, you want to make sure actually work for you. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like it's not just an intellectual pursuit when Mars is there. It's like got to, does it grow corn essentially? Does it grow corn? Yeah, that's the that's like an old indigenous expression, I believe, which oh. is like, yeah, like that's a good idea, but like, does it actually like? But does it grow corn? Does it make crops? Mm-hmm. Does it put does it put food on your table? Right. Does it pay your electric bill? Does it water your plants? Does it give you an orgasm? Correct, and that's what Mars in the ninth house wants. Got it, an orgasm. It's not just enough to go from someone from another place. You got to come. Jupiter in the ninth house. So Jupiter really thrives in the ninth house. And this is somebody like who probably is a teacher, you know, who wants to explore big beliefs and big ideas, who has the capacity to like hold those big ideas. You know, like if you have a conversation with certain people about like, you know, quantum physics multiple dimensions aliens some people they're no longer behind their eyes you know what i'm saying and other people really show up behind their eyes and i think when jupiter's in the ninth house it's somebody that's really capable of 
entering into large questions and holding space for large answers and sometimes mm-hmm. even multiple answers. Right. And somebody with like a deep love of learning, you probably have multiple degrees, you know? Right, yeah. Or, you know, even if you're not like, you know, if you have Jupiter and Uranus in the ninth house, then like maybe you weren't that interested in like traditional educational models, but you probably like have learned a lot, you know, like you've done a lot of different training programs or... Like Dr. Wendy from the Real Housewives of Potomac. Correct. You're like, I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer. I'm a candle maker. I'm a candle maker. I'm a political commentator. Like, yeah, there's just lots of hats to wear. Yeah, lots of storehouses of knowledge and, and different storehouses. But also, I bet there's a underlying principle beneath them all that helps you. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because truth, like the ninth house is concerned with truth. Right. But, you know, truth can be subjective. And truth is different for different people, but trying to find unifying truths is an important pursuit of the ninth house. Yeah. So it makes me think, though, that something to be careful of with the Jupiter in the ninth is like getting too connected to one singular truth that then you just like expand and it's like, this is the truth. Yeah, totally. You know, and it's like, whoa, hold on, like make room for some flaws in that truth. Well, and especially if you have Neptune in the ninth and you got to be really careful right, because well, skip ahead, you're going to, you're going to, well, I just think it's, it's part of the, <laughs> it's part of this conversation that we're having, right? Yeah, About yeah. like, what is truth? You know, like Neptune is where you can be most easily deluded. And so to have Neptune in the ninth means that like you might be quite gullible or people might be able to like take advantage of you or you might just be able to, like you were saying earlier, like, Tell yourself lies that you hold to as true. Right. Yeah. It's like very little boundary. Yeah. What is true and what is not. Correct. Perhaps. But Neptune is also like a a spiritual planet as well. And so to have Neptune in the ninth also brings like mysticism and prayer. Um, Something that I... I remember hearing is that the ninth house also kind of like refers to like the temple, you know, mm, like it's, mm-hmm. it's the place of religion. Now, of course, like there are lots of different temples, you know, like a university is the temple of education. Right. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. 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 So it feels like the ninth house is like, if you have Neptune in the ninth, you're like a monk in the temple. Correct. But if you have Neptune in the 12th, you're like a monk in the wild. Yeah. Or like on your like own little hermitage retreat. Right. Yeah. So we skipped over Uranus. And Saturn. And Saturn. Well, shit. Well, let's just go backwards. That's fine. So Uranus, we kind of already talked about because of my Uranus in the ninth, but definitely somebody that like wants to thwart uh, conventional ideas. Yeah. Wants to take unique trips. Mm, Um, Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I wanted us to go to the Atacama Desert on our honeymoon. And luckily I got my way, but that's like not probably a very common desire for a honeymoon, you know, like I'm interested in unique places and I want to go away from the crowds. And that's also true in terms of like my beliefs, you know, like I'm, I'm always questioning things and thwarting things. And just because it's conventional knowledge or like conventionally accepted knowledge doesn't necessarily mean that I'm like going to agree to it. No. Saturn in the ninth is definitely a skeptic. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like, if you have Saturn in the ninth, I'm impressed that you're even listening to this podcast about spirituality in the first place because 
people with Saturn in the ninth definitely um, have a hard time with belief and meaning that isn't immediately tangible. So you might be more of a scientist than a spiritualist. I also think like if you have Saturn in the ninth, then you might be somebody who struggles to feel smart enough, who struggles to feel like, you know, you you can show up for these challenging conversations. But Saturn is also our work in the world. And so exactly. if you have Saturn in the ninth, it might be that like, while it's hard, it's also really important for you to like step into a role as teacher. Yeah, you may find that you have struggled with religion or some sense of philosophy or belief system until you find the right teacher um, and then like follow that like path of student and then ultimately can become a teacher or a leader in that specific realm of belief. Yeah. And you know, we're all teachers. We're all teachers in some way. We're so all teaching say. each other. And so I think it might be useful for you to think about, okay, what is the sign that rules my ninth house? You know, what sign starts this part of my chart? And then look to the ruling planet of that sign. And that's the sort of teacher that you are. Yeah. So like my ninth house is ruled by Sagittarius. So I look to Jupiter in my chart and I have Jupiter in Aquarius. So I'm a Jupiter in Aquarius type of teacher. Where is, where are you? Well, we said, remember my ninth house is ruled by Sagittarius. Saturn. Yeah, Saturn in the fourth in Leo. Right. So you're a Saturn in Leo sort of teacher. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Which I don't know if I am entirely a Saturn in Leo teacher. What style teacher do you think you are? I'm like a, just like a Jupiter and fun, Jupiter and Pisces. Do you have Jupiter and Pisces? No. So then I don't think that's the sort of teacher you are. <laughs> but I think Leo is like, I mean, take the Saturn equation out of it. Like Leo is playful and warm. A thousand percent. Yeah. And so like your ability to like kind of take responsibility for your Leo is like what you, what you bring. Totally. You know, no, I get that for sure. Yeah. That makes sense. All right. And then Pluto. Pluto. We've done it all. So, you know, Pluto in the ninth house wants to disassemble and then reassemble. Uh, Pluto in the ninth house is a detective looking for like what is rotting in religion and philosophy and then wanting to rebirth it. Mm -hmm. Definitely um, somebody who wants to go all the way. There's like a real deep commitment to what you want to seek. You know, it's like if you like Michelin star restaurants then you're going to go to every fucking single one of them. You know what I mean? Like if you like uh, traveling to deserts, you're going to go and see every desert there is. Yeah, it feels like a soul's calling in a way, right? To like follow whatever path is being asked of you. Because there is that like soulful quality that comes with Pluto. So there is this like deep need to like understand, to know your beliefs. Um, and you will go to great lengths to figure that out. Yeah, totally. Because Pluto is power. So a lot of your power is to be unlocked in the ninth house. Yeah. So for you especially, knowledge is power, baby. And experience yeah. is power. Yeah, yeah. All right. 
So there you have it. We did it. A breakdown of the ninth Oh my house. goddess. We're three quarters of the way through. I can't believe it. Just 10, 11, 12, baby. Yeah. Which is just wild to think that the year's almost over. Correct. Good grief. Do you have a favorite house? <sighs> Ask me at the end once we're done talking about all of these. It's not our house. <laughs> What the fuck is wrong with you? Sorry. Mm. Um, all right, kids. Well, I hope you are enjoying learning about the houses with us because we're really enjoying teaching it. We really are. All right. And now it is time for this episode's tarot card. All right. So just take a moment, connect to the cards by listening in to the sound of them being shuffled. Just trusting that this message will resonate no matter the future place or time to which you listen to this episode. Just asking for one car to really help us with all these retrograde energies. We're going to have a lot of retrograde planets in the sky. So until we meet again, what is the message that we need? The guidance that we are seeking. Oh, it's the Knight of Wands. Wow. Fun. So the Knight of Wands is you like at your most charismatic. It's you like really feeling your power. And it's a knight that is moving, like kind of riding on the river of spirit. So it's air and fire. So it's quite combustible, but in a good way. It's like, oh, I have an idea. Oh, I have an action plan. Oh, we're off to the races. And it's an invitation to kind of think about, like, where do you feel most empowered? Where do you feel like a fucking rock star? You know, like, we're watching the bear and like they, you know, I've never worked in a professional kitchen. Like, I've, I've barely seen what happens in a professional kitchen. But I was like, oh, these are like fucking rock stars. You know, like, there are certain people that like feel literally like, like the Harry Styles of the kitchen, you know, like you see them, like they're fucking living their truth. And so you might consider for yourself, like, what is the arena in which I feel that way? And it might not be a big arena. There might not even be an audience for it, you know? Like I always say, like the librarian is the rock star of the library, you know? Like they know that Dewey Decimal System. They know how to shelve those damn books. <laughs> so just think about your, you know, for yourself, like, where do you feel like a rock star? Or, and if you don't have an answer to that, then think about like, when was the last time I really felt like I was in my power? Like I was really like charismatic and free and like on fire in a good way. And maybe that's the double retrograde, the Venus and the Mercury. It's like looking back so that you can kind of get an understanding like, oh, I didn't realize it at the time. But when I look back, I realize like I was most alive. I was most in my power when I was like doing this or when I was doing that. And how can I bring more of that into my life? You want to be electric, and the Knight of Wands is your willingness to free that electricity within yourself so that it can catch other people on fire, again, in a good way. Right. <laughs> awesome. A good message for all of you out there to be the fire in a good way. Um, thank you all for taking the time to listen to us to tune in to engage thanks for being behind your eyes yes we appreciate you and your eyes and your ears um and your hearts and your heart and your butts hey yes put your butts up um <laughs> put your butts up 
Well, it was a, it was a play like a dog, on, like no. a dog, like sticking their it butt up. It was a play on put your paws up, Lady Gaga. The little monsters got it. Um, so, as mentioned earlier, you can find out everything you need to know about us at thespiritualgaze.com. Uh, you can also find us at you know on all the places, the the Insta and the Facebook and the TikTok, and um. Hopefully we'll we'll see you you. for our full moon ceremony or maybe we'll see you for the wheel of the year, which you'll find out more about the wheel of the year. It's a coming until next time. This has been your transit through the the spiritual spiritual game.